Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like building a bigger pipeline with real customers, leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this Deep Sales, and LinkedIn has built the first Deep Sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. Welcome to the Millionaire Mindcast, where we broadcast weekly interviews with millionaire minds from across the globe to empower you on your journey of unlocking a rich and fulfilling life. It's time to unleash your millionaire within. Now, here's your host, Maddie A. What's going on, Millionaire Mindcast fam? Welcome into today's show. What's up, guys? I'm uh, I'm not gonna lie, dude. I'm I'm recharged. I just got back from my Mexico trip, and it was glorious. Were you gone this weekend? I was gone for five days. And okay, yeah, yeah. You guess left who on Wednesday? Guess who was staying at our hotel? Got to say what up to him. I don't. You'd have to give me a little bit of context so I can. El Presidente of oh. a very cool organization, uh, Barstool Sports. Dave Portnoy. Close. You said El Presidente. Yeah, close. Dana White. Oh, Dana White. Nice guy. Dana White was there. He's big. Dude, I wasn't kind of, I wasn't I expecting him, him to person. be like buff. He's like his shoulders. Yeah, and he was cool. He was taking pictures with everyone. Super nice, super respectful. The, restor- the resort that we stayed at gave, uh, just gave me all kinds of inspiration on the boutique side of hospitality and just seeing every attention to detail that they put into this resort, mm. full, you know, full resort in terms of pool and multiple food and beverage options oh, yeah. right on the beach. I got Mexico in August. I'm excited. Dude, it was so great. If, uh, if anybody wants like a really sexy boutique hotel with, I mean, I'm talking five-star service. It's not cheap, but it was, it was goals. I'll just say hotel goals for me. Um, me Cabo, right on the main strip in in downtown, you know Cabo, and I mean they they didn't disappoint. So big shout out to uh, to Me Cabo and uh, what they've created at that resort. Nice, it was awesome. And now I am back in the swing of things. We've got a great episode for you guys today. 100%. Lots of stuff going on right now, and you know as we kick off Q two. Yep. Um, you know, a couple days in. Yeah, people are getting active. Companies are getting active. Everybody's kind of, mm-hmm. you know, making moves as we head into the summer. 
And uh, we got some updates for you guys in terms of what's going on in the markets. We've been talking about the yield curve. We've been talking about oil. We've been talking about Russia. Um, obviously, we've got some small little updates on real estate and crypto for you guys. Big news this last week with um, Mr. Elon Musk, which we will touch on. But for all of our new listeners, we just want to take a second to welcome you guys into the show each and every week on the Millionaire Mindcast, at least on this particular episode of Wealth Building Wednesday. My brother, Mr. Breedwell and I, we talk all things money. Money, money, money. We love the money. Well, at the end of the day, right? I, I, what I... What I find so interesting all the time, and I like, you know, consistently kind of have to remind myself of these things is we don't have enough money conversations not on a day to day basis. Yeah, not when we're young. I mean, not even when we're old, though. I mean, I think about how taboo money conversations are for so many people and how uncomfortable they are for so many people that they don't even give themselves a chance. You know, when you talk about kind of that quote, the man in the arena, mm-hmm. right? Whether you're failing at making money or you're, you know, succeeding at making money, just being in the arena of trying to make money, to try and sharpen your knowledge, your financial literacy, to take steps in the right direction with how you're growing, protecting mm-hmm. your wealth, expanding your wealth relationships. It is insane to me that so many people really, one, don't know how to have those conversations or who to connect with on those things, which is why we do this show, right? Just to normalize like, hey, whether you're failing and making money or you're making great money, like there's always room for growth. There's always new things to be learning. There's always new things to be talking about, right? Putting new tools on your tool belt, keeping yourself in the conversation and and in proximity is just half the battle, right? Because then you're going to start getting reps. You're going to start seeing things that like, okay, that makes more sense to me this time, right? But we don't even give ourselves an opportunity on specifically a daily basis, let alone sometimes a weekly basis, a monthly basis, sometimes yearly, right? People just go like, well, I'm worse off in a financial position than I was last year, or hey, I'm better off in a financial position than I was last year. But like, there's no real strategy. There's no rhyme or reason. There's no real execution and roadmap for people to follow, which is why we like to have these conversations on a weekly basis. And if that's something that you're looking for, we invite you to subscribe to the podcast, right? Leave a five-star review on whatever platform you enjoy listening to this content on. It helps support us reaching more amazing people that want to be in these types of conversations because they're so critical. And you don't need to be a financial Wall Street expert. You don't need to be you know, a hedge fund person. You don't need to be a real estate investor that you know, is crushing it on the highest levels to go out and be a millionaire or to go out and create enough passive income to unlock financial freedom. Agreed. But you do need to have some level of foundational understanding, have a holistic investment approach mm-hmm. and portfolio, which is what we talk about, right? Ryan is our financial expert on the markets, all things equities, stocks, bonds, insurances, right? And real estate being my world. And when you get those two sides of the financial world colliding, it creates really this very sound, strong balance when it comes to compounding, exponentially growing, and you know, collectively working together to get you to whatever those milestones are for you, right? 100%. And as you kind of move the needle forward on those things, you get a little bit smarter, a little bit wiser, And then you start to play the game of money at a higher level. But most people just don't even, one, know that there is a game that they can play. And two, when they try and get in the game, right, that there's real strategies and skills and resources and relationships that if 
played correctly can really accelerate getting you to certain milestones in your wealth building journey. And so those are the things that, you know, I was with a group of buddies this week and, you know, not many of them I would say are playing the game of money or really the game that they're playing is just constantly treading water or, or really like, man, like suffering to just make ends meet. And that's not what I want for anyone. That's not what I want for our listeners, not what I want for my friends, not for what I want for my acquaintances and, and even strangers, right? And so that is what we love to talk about on this show. And that's what we're going to talk about here today. So if you guys enjoy connecting with us, you don't have a financial expert, you want to have somebody dig into your portfolio a little bit further. Um, one of the beautiful things that Ryan and his amazing team offer the free financial x-ray. You can just text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555 and they will go through your entire investment portfolio with a fine tooth comb. Make sure that you're not getting overfeed, overcharged, that you're allocated the way you should, that you're protecting your downsides, you're capturing your upsides, right? All of that important stuff. If you're a real estate investor or you're somebody that's got you know, some money laying around that you yep. want to get invested into hard real estate assets that you want returns on, that you want to be protected on. Um, you can text the word deals to 844-447-1555 to learn more about what offerings I put out there to our amazing community. Um, and if you've got questions for us, shoot us a text 844-447-1555. With that being said, this week, yesterday, really breaking news. Uh, last week, it was Elon Musk coming out kind of whispers and rumors, hey, yep. he might start his own you know, social, social media, media platform. He's disgusted with what's going on with censorship on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and you know, a lot of these big leftist run companies, right? That really did show their true colors in the course of the last two years, Twitter being a big one and breaking news as of uh, yesterday, right? He put a poll out and said, hey, you know, if I started my own social media platform or no, actually, I think it was on Twitter. He said, do you, do you feel think like that they're over essentially to the point of, do you think they're over censoring and not upholding the first amendment? And millions of people basically responded and it was like overwhelmingly 71 it to like was, 29%. Yeah, it was like 54, 40. It was like 71. 70, it was like 70, 30. Yeah. 70, 30. And I mean, within what, four days of that poll coming out, breaking news yesterday, Elon Musk largest stakeholder in Twitter now buying 9.2% stake in the company. Twitter surged 25% within 24 hours. I have another funny statistic for you. What you got for us? Elon Musk made more money. The 700, he made about $750 million so far. He made more money in that move than Twitter has made in the past three years. Ouch. Dang. But you know what? To me... That is a great, that's a big win, I think, for one. It's, it's a big jab at all of the leftist, really liberal-run, aggressively censoring-based companies that it validates when you get somebody like that who has obviously been outspoken about censorship. Mm -hmm. Elon Musk has you know, come out multiple times and taken little jabs and said you know, things that he's concerned about that he doesn't like. Um, in terms of censorship. And when you see somebody make that type of move, which he has obviously the ability to do so on a much larger level and scale than anyone, how many people supported that? When you see a spike in you know 25% in a share in that short amount of time, I mean, what does that tell you? That fight, that 
serious investors and retail investors alike support that. They love it. Motive, yeah. Movement in a, in a stock like that is normally indicative of like people putting a lot of money into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, not like a short or anything like that. When news comes out and then there's immediately a nice spike up and then it sustains for a couple of days, like I think it's up another 4% today. Um, that's that's when it's something that's for real. And it should, it, it's good. What will happen is when you're the majority shareholder, you have the majority votes. Mm-hmm. So you can stall anything you want. So a rating of the board to some degree is going to happen and he's probably going to shake the tree and all the liberal leaves are going to be the ones that fall out. And he's going to be like, we don't need any of that crap here. And that's the beautiful part. I don't know if a lot of people know that you can do that, but that's when you're a publicly traded company. That's why you know executives and CEOs will retain share positions or take shares as payment because it's if you believe in the company and the company's established, you retain. You don't want to lose that authority no, within the company, power. right? Yeah, the CEO or the president is not on a publicly traded company. That they, that doesn't mean that they're in control. Uh, if you own more than you know five percent of a company, you have to disclose that in SEC filings so people know who controls companies. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a lot of stuff like that. But I to get back to the main point, I think it's really good that he did that, and I'm excited to see where it goes in the next couple of weeks. It'll take a little bit for some stuff to unwind, yeah, because there's going to have to be behind door meetings that'll happen and legal stuff that has to be done, but. Um, I wonder how Jack Dorsey is feeling about that. And specifically, I wonder how the current CEO, who is very far-leaning left and liberal and basically came out publicly multiple times that he's not against censorship and Paragual or something like that is their their current CEO. He came out today on Twitter saying, we're excited to have Elon Musk and this and that, but you know he ain't very happy about, I'm sure. Elon's going to... Either that or Elon's going to go in there and and chop him off the the block real quick. I'm excited to meet you too. I've been wanting to say this for a while. (laughs) You're fired. Right. This has a Trump recording. I just think it's uh, overall uh, exciting to see things like that, right? Where you got people trying to keep the scales of, level, you know, freedom. Using money for good. Yeah. Told you you could do it, and and Elon Just is. Have a lot I think it. honestly, it's a perfect example. You and I were talking about this earlier. Like personally, I would vote for Elon Musk for president. Elon, for president. you had noted, you know, obviously he doesn't have the the political experience, but when you don't have the financial hooks that many of these career politicians have in them, um, obviously the downside help. is he hasn't played the political board game. Correct, um, but to some level and degree, he has because. A lot of his companies that he has built, I mean, you know, he, he's dealing with governments. You know, he's yeah. playing the political red well, tape he, game. You know, NASA, he's dealt with NASA. There's some politics there. He's yeah. dealt with the fact that he's, you know, taken a company public and private. That's good. That's hard and not fun to do. Been part of multiple lawsuits that he's won. Yep. Uh, dealing with cities to states to you know U.S. and international law and governance, right? I just want people to you know that you also have to be to some degree not feared but respected. Yeah, and I don't think that people disrespect him, but I would want to make sure that he would understand to you you know you're gonna kind of carry yourself a little bit different as the president because you have 
I mean, you have access to you know a nuclear arsenal, mm-hmm. which I'm not worried that he would have. Well, I was going to say, I'll, at the end of the day, if we're willing to give the same amount of authority and ownership to someone like Joe Biden, I agree. I don't think there's any downside of giving it to somebody with his acumen, his experience, his track record of success financially, and you know, just in business and running large Who organizations. Has no hair. In the beginning of their career, and then now has more hair, and it even looks better. Mr. Only Elon Musk. Musk. So very exciting stuff there. I just thought that was kind of a cool headline that I think will be interesting to see how that plays out in terms of censorship, and you know what kind of precedent that sets across multiple social platforms, the internet as a whole. We will know over the past next couple of weeks, and if it does set a precedent, the one that I would assume that it would set is fuck around and find out. Fuck around and, and find I will out. put my money in your company and take over your company. Yeah, when you're the richest man, and again, I, I think he is, you know, somewhat Republican leaning. But in terms of like, he's also got some. Right in the middle, he's got some yeah. liberal and some left, you know, type of stances. But in general, I think he's just rooted in logic and doing what's right. And you know, when he's set on a goal or he's got a vision and he's focused on what that looks like and bringing that to life and fruition. He does what needs to get done, and his track record of actually doing that successfully is, I don't know anyone that's more impressive than him, obviously, and his status as, you know, the richest man in the world between him and, you know, Bezos, um, I think speaks for itself. Obviously, some big stuff going on this last week in Russia. Yep. Big news in terms of, you know, Russia pulling Pulling out of Kiev. Kiev, Yeah, they're starting to pull. And they're moving from what we hear and what I've read is that they're moving their flanks or their army to the eastern side, Crimea, where they kind of are having more success. But I've I've also heard and seen that they're taking, well, not seen personally, but seen reports of, and still taking heavy, heavy, heavy casualties and resistance in those areas and Ukraine pushing them back. And ultimately, um, what's going to eventually happen is, I mean, can you imagine like China thinking that they have a superpower with them in Russia and then watching, then China watching Russia not even being able to, and I'm not talking crap here, but like in all reality, Russia should have gone in and face rolled Ukraine. If you look at size of army and it's just statistically, it would almost be... Why didn't they is my question. They're just not... They don't respect their leader. They don't listen to their leader. There's not good chain of command. They have old equipment. It's This is the same thing that would happen if North Korea ever invaded something. It'd be bad for the very beginning because they'd blow their load and then they would just suck. They're using old equipment things don't work, there's going to be miscommunication. It takes a lot more than just brute force to win a war, especially nowadays. Um, You know, 45 years ago, there wasn't social media. So you could do a lot of things that didn't get reported. You could be a lot more, uh, lay the hammer down. Now, you know, the second that people get in there, the internet of things is aware and there's consequences on the world stage for that. And if we if we know all the stuff that happened in World War II with the amount of technology that happened then, and it's just word, word of mouth. Imagine like what we could know nowadays when atrocities are committed. So um, I think that what's ultimately going to happen, and like I said four weeks ago, four or five weeks ago, I think this is going to be Putin's Afghanistan. It's just going to be a quick version. He's going to go in. He's going to realize he bit off way more than he can chew. He's going to try to make himself look as good as he can. And then he's going to pull out. And ultimately, he's going to just 
the success of it is going to be wiping his hands clean of the situation. But I don't think because of the situation that he did and how he did it, I don't think that he'll ever be able to to go back to a normalcy as a leader on the world stage. I think he's going to be it'll be the biggest prior state we've ever seen. Nobody except small countries that are fringe anyway, Indonesia, uh, North Korea, China, you know, those would be trading partners and they'll do business with them. But worldwide, major superpowers like the UK, the Eastern Bloc of Europe, um, South America to the, a, a majority degree, Africa to a majority degree, North America in whole, Australia, New Zealand, India, they're going to cut them off. And that's going to piss off the people. And eventually it may cause them to overthrow Putin. And that is ultimately going to be the the bed he made for himself to lie in. I don't think that it he expected what is going down to go down. And I also think that he's pissing off, you know, the people right below him and his citizens. They look weak. I mean, they look really weak. And they also don't look good. And all this in the face of a crashing economy. Yeah, I mean, what, what did they ultimately accomplish from this? I mean, I don't nothing know. Even if they took Ukraine, a significant amount of ground. Even if they took Ukraine, I still can't really quantify in my head, besides like a trophy on the shelf, like what would that ultimately Unless be? they wanted to initiate a domino effect of certain events that maybe we haven't all connected the dots on yet, that yeah, it ain't was initiated it through happen. this in yeah. Ukraine. But, you know, in terms of what I saw recently, I think it was Governor Mark Milley is testifying today. And ultimately, one of his large statements is a, a concerning um, growth and momentum between the un, united stance of China and Russia working as the world's superpower to um, basically dethrone the United States and, and what that looks like. And so, you know... It um, uh, it don't look like this. I can tell you that. Um, and you know that that's such a that's such a. And I say this respectfully and 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 not you know boisterous. But there's nobody that'll ever unseat the United States as as the world power. It's just not going to happen. We we just are too ingrained. I mean, in our lifetime, at least, <laughs> we're just too ingrained as. We, our currency backs almost every currency. Our bonds back almost all debt. It just doesn't make any sense to me why things would start flipping on their heads so much when they're already so, the needle is already so far the other way. I think people just more and more and more, you know, go into the fold and, and kind of that system will spread this capitalistic democratic republic. Hey, we want to make money. Some people will lose. It's required. Some people will win. And then the problem with that is, to your point, a couple of weeks ago we were talking about with the with the disparity between the rich and the poor, and that's just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah, I know General Mark Milley said today, testifying before, uh, let's see, on Capitol Hill, warned that the world is becoming more unstable and added that potential of a conflict between great powers is increasing. He also said, we are entering a world that is becoming more unstable and the potential for significant international conflict between great powers, between Russia, China, and the United States is increasing, not decreasing. They intend to change the rules based on current global order. 
that's obviously I'm not even worried about Russia. We would absolutely I mean they're they're a lot closer to the United States than people tend to realize because they look at flat maps and don't look at the top left hand corner. We're only about forty seven miles away from Russia. The United States is if you measure from Alaska. Um we would just destroy Russia. I mean, especially given what we're seeing right now, it wouldn't even be funny. Yeah. That would be an absolute face roll. China, I would be, you know, a little more worried about, but they have a lot of ground to cover before they could get to us. And it just, it would be essentially a war of, if we would fight a lot of the stuff in the water. I mean, like, we have to travel really far to get to them. They have to travel really far to get to us. So they essentially, you know, they may, they may attack an alley of ours in Europe and cause a, you know, a proxy like that. So, I don't think, I hope that doesn't happen in our lifetime, but I, I definitely think China is going back to the drawing board after they see how Russia reacts. I mean, this is literally a country with almost no air force and they are shooting planes out of the air with man aerial defense systems. I mean, it's a single shot. It's almost like, again, it's like somebody having a bunch of RPGs and holding back the United States. Yeah. It's just, it doesn't make sense. And so that, to me, just shows the weakness of Russia and also just that there's no congruency in how their um, their leadership is, is. Well, this last week, the World anything. Bank said that war shock will drag on Asian economies and they did cut China's growth view. So, I mean, there's definitely, you know, some ripple effect of how this is all playing back into Mm -hmm. the strategy and really effects of the Chinese economy. Um, I know I did see, you know, that uh, this last week, I believe, you know, U.S. factory orders fell for the first time in 10 months. Yep. Um, You know, in terms of the overall climate of, you know, war overseas, what's going on with, you know, oil, what's going on with, you know, our overall manufacturing, inflation, what is the current landscape and outlook that, you know, you guys are seeing for the U.S. as a whole? And how does that trickle down into, you know, the average investor's, you know, outlook and and strategy of execution? So we still have some bottlenecks, obviously, in the supply chain due to high demand in niche areas, especially in the housing market still. Um, but I would say that overall, you know, when I, as I mentioned to you earlier, when I go to the grocery store, it's a little more expensive, but overall still, you know, nothing crazy. I'm not looking at, you know, a thing of grapes for $10 or, or anything like that. So I do think t- people tend to over hype when thing, you know, inflation happens because things five years ago, before this inflation happened, were more were cheaper than they were in current days. So things always get more expensive. It's just happening quicker than normal. Um, that's hyperinflation or higher than normal inflation. And I just think that sometimes we're going to have to stomach that. Just like the stock market sometimes goes up way faster than it should or down way faster than it should. Just sometimes there's anomalies and we just have to figure out how to work around and work with them. Um, the benefit to that is if you own a home and you have real assets, you're also appreciating on that. So yeah, you're spending a little bit more money out of your cash flow, but your net worth is also... So it's it's always kind of a little bit of an ebb and flow. There's not always take without give and there's not there's not give without take. Um, 
So I think things are going to calm down. We have another interest rate hike coming in about four weeks. Uh, FOMC minutes are Wednesday this week. And I think they're going to be a little hawkish on their terms. They were um, essentially saying uh, the central bankers this week were a little more hawkish on their comments. And that would be indicative that they're likely going to be supportive of another interest rate hike like they said they were going to be. And I would bet my bottom dollar that they're going to raise interest rates. Again, if you think that raising interest rates is a negative, it is not. It's a sign that the economy is healthy. This is touted by economists and it's like unknown by retail investors and uh, the media. Interest rate hikes do you know, one thing negative, it makes the cost of leveraging money higher, which is just going to happen eventually at some point. And it's okay because we've been here before. People have been in this situation before and they still make money. There's always an opportunity to make money. I made money. money in 2019 on all the real estate that I bought at the same interest rate yes. that we're seeing right now. Exactly. So I just think people like to, when they don't understand something, they hear something that sounds good and they run with it. And that's due to lack of education or lack of understanding or knowing who to ask. And that's fair to do, but at the same time, it's not accurate. There's no reason that people should be freaking out that there's a 4% interest rate on a loan. My first home that I bought was at 4.5% before APR and before PMI. And I paid, and I, when I sold that house, I made over six figures on it. So I just don't get like, when my parents took their loan, they were a double digit interest rate. I mean, that was normal. So just calm down off of what you're hearing on CNN or Fox or MSNBC. That none of that stuff is in reality. If you're hearing it for them, it's old from them, it's old news. Yeah, I mean, to kind of circle back to the real estate side of things, you know, this uh this last week, even with, you know, a jump in interest rates last month, right? In March, mm-hmm. um, core logic reported that house prices are up 20% year over year. There you go. So, you know, we're still seeing, right, it be a very aggressive seller's market. Obviously, inventory plays into that. We're seeing a 2.2% increase up from January to February with home prices. Now, if you circle over to inventory, we're up 7% uh, week over week. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I'm sorry, that was 0.7%. We're up 5.9% from the seasonal bottom in March of 2022. So inventory has come back in the market slow. Plus we're hitting weather like in spring. So that's going to bring some more buyers out. And here's what I'm going to say. This will be the last hurrah of big, big, big year for real estate, especially on sales. Um because the cost of of l- lending money is going to be higher. It'll naturally kick people. This will cool some stuff off. Yeah, yeah ab- absolutely. It has to. It's, I, it, I mean, as of April 1st, inventory was at 255,000. That's a seven-day average compared to 253,000 the prior week. Last year, inventory bottomed seasonally in April. And what we saw here is inventory overall still being very, very low. If you compare the same week in 2021, inventory is down 17.6% from 310,000. So 310,000 the same time last year to the 255,000 today, even with that little 7.7% increase or even with that right month over month 
you know, 5.9% increase, we are still significantly lower than where we were at last year. I agree. So yeah. there's still, right, a delta that needs to be covered, one, to just get back to where we were at last year. And then obviously, you know, to move beyond that, of course, interest rates are going to cut out some of the demand and the buyer pool there. But still, right, we're going to see this seasonality of inventory kick up because most people aren't selling during the winter time. They don't want to move in the snow or the wetness, right? Um, and we just know that, you know, not a lot happens in the winter time as we head into spring and summer, more inventory. Yeah, maybe some more buyers. So there might be a little tilting of, you know, teeter totter of that scale. But in general, we're still seeing a really healthy market overall. And I mm-hmm. think, again, what my recommendation is is again, get your financial house in order. We're going to talk about the yield curve here in a second um, and you know what it is currently signaling in, in you know, context to the overall economy. Um, but in general, when I say financial house in order, when we're heading into a season like this, which is again, you ain't making hand over fist in the stock market. You're not making hand over fist in real estate, which again, there's still opportunities to find upper, um, find you know, the upside in both of those playgrounds. Now is the time to lower your cost of living. Agreed. Right? Live within your means, not beyond your means. There was a report released by CNBC this week that 50% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. That's 50% of Americans. Of that 50%, 31% of those individuals make over $100,000 a year. Yeah. So what does that tell you? It just tells you how many people are negligently living way beyond their means. And if you're one of those individuals, it might be time to go back and look at your monthly budget and look at your credit card bills and look at everything that's coming out of your you know, yep. bank account every month and go, do I really need this? And if you have the ability to create some surplus and you know some extra disposable income and decide where you want to put that into vehicles... Like I'm increasing, you know, some investments with you because I don't want that cash just sitting around, right? If you want to put it into hard assets, if you want to throw it into a certain sector of the stock market or whatever it is, make sure that that money is going to something that's going to earn during this time. And also, right, make sure that you have the necessary surplus, the necessary safety nets in place that if and when opportunities do present themselves, you're ready to capitalize. And you're not scrambling and chasing your tail and you're missing out on those opportunities because there will be in these types of times where some people are going to experience some hardship because this this number right here, 50% of Americans living a paycheck to paycheck, you don't have any wiggle room for error. Correct. You screw up one month or two months or three months and all of a sudden now your last bargaining chip is the equity left in your home. Somebody's going to be motivated to sell that house you know, in maybe whatever their circumstances in a very timely manner to unlock whatever that equity is, they might be selling at a discount. Somebody might be doing other things that give you an opportunity to take advantage of, you know, capitalizing on good opportunities. And you want to be able to do that, right? When people are zigging and everybody's scrambling and suffering, you want to be in a position where you weren't living beyond your means, you were being smart, you were right? Following a specific financial plan and discipline. And those are the times that you get to not only take one step forward, but oftentimes when people are taking two or three back, you're taking 10 forward. Yep. 
and that and and literally it just comes down to proactiveness when there's an opportunity to be proactive and generally especially in real estate and in my neck of the woods it tends to be when there's times of volatility when there's opportunity that generally means things are cheaper in the area where you want to be long term than they normally are and you have this window to get in and then appreciate from that and a lot of people forget that. Yep. They like to just buy when things are going up, 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 and buy when they're expensive, and then don't like to hold them when they're going down. But you have to hold them when they're going down, and then you should just be buying more of those things. Yep. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me, in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast. And trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's my first. 50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. It's a hard concept to wrap your brain around, but it's the concept that will save you money and make you wealthy long term. Dollar cost average your way out of turbulence. Yep. That's, is it, is that's true. I mean, every, all of my clients that have been dollar cost averaging are all positive year to date because they've all been buying the dip. And so, yeah, were they down for a period? Yeah. Now my clients that aren't, they're still down a little bit for the year because they haven't been buying the the dip. Yep. So that's a part of investing and that's fine and that's where it comes to where your portfolio has to be able to withstand that. Um, but taking loss is part of being invested. It's just what, how big of a loss are you taking and then do you have the the rigidity to go through those losses, take withdrawals from your portfolio, and then also make enough earnings long-term. One of my favorite quotes about investing is volatility is the price you pay for building wealth. Whether it's volatility in the stock market, whether it's volatility in real estate, whether it's volatility in your business, if you want to be wealthy, pain is part of this path of progress. And you have to be one, physically, and two, mentally capable of weathering those storms. And that's why falling back to a strong financial plan, good financial disciplines and habits, and having a strong financial team around you is absolutely critical because you're not going to be able to always weather those storms by yourself. And so if you haven't had a chance to connect with your financial advisor and talk about these things or they're not talking to you, then that's something that you really should lean into. If you don't have one or you want to talk and get a second opinion or a second look on what some of the things are 
that you want to be doing or protecting against or advice, feel free to reach out to Ryan and his team. Text the word X-ray to 844-447-1555. If you're not in hard assets, you want to get into real estate investments or look at syndications, you want to talk to me and my team, text the word deals to 844-447-1555. But I just think right now is such a critical time for before shit does hit the fan, right? And not saying that it's going to, but some of the variables in the equation right now could show that we're not, you know, looking at uh, blue skies and a rainbow in the forecast, right? There may be some clouds, there may be some days that it rains. And those are the times that you really want to have your stuff dialed in. Now, what are we seeing with the yield curve? And, and we've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks, that there's some concerns, it shouldn't be looking like this or trending in this direction. What is the yield curve signaling at this current moment? I don't think it's really signaling anything besides that in the short term, you can buy debt that has a shorter duration and get a higher yield than you can then buy long-term debt and get a lower yield. I mean, that's not normal and that's not something that should be around for a long time, but that's just what it's signaling. Um, a lot of people tend to you know, hit the book uh, and say, oh, well, the yield curve is inverting, so we're going to go into a recession. And although in the past that has been indicative of that or indicated some sort of volatility going through, it's also not during a time where we are right now where we just did a ton of quantitative easing, where, but we're in a rising interest rate environment and we have a ton of volatility in the market. Um, one thing and one thing only keeps the stock market going up, and that is earnings. And if companies make earnings, their companies are profitable, their stock value goes up, and when people see that, they want to buy more of that stock. Um, I know that sounds very simple, but it is that simple. Earnings have been predominantly and overwhelmingly positive and above expectations. And therefore, once all this stuff subsides with the conflict in Ukraine, which, holy shit, if you follow our show, which I hope you do, and you like and subscribe, and you go listen to the past three episodes in a row, I done did it again. He done did it. Told you guys that the market was going to rebound mid-January, excuse me, mid-March. I even said that in fucking January of this year that it was likely going to rebound sometime in mid-March. That's what we were looking at. And holy cannoli, look at that. It definitely did. And it's probably going to be good until, and I will put my money where my mouth is now again, it's looking good until about May, until we have another crossroads. And it could still potentially be great, but we just have some more volatility to pass through there. We're going to need to make sure that the interest rate hike has been healthy. That'll be another crossroads for the next interest rate hike, like mm -hmm. I had said. And I think what's going to happen is interest rates are going to hike. And then what happened the last time interest rate hikes? The market went wild in a positive way. It's good for the market to have interest rate hikes. It's good for banks to make money so they're profitable, so they can pay people more money at their job, so they can make investments, so that people can make money off those investments. It's the vicious circle that our capitalist economy has made. So the yield curve is not indicating to me anything I we have about I think right now it's saying that we have about a ninety five percent likelihood that there is not an OT not going to be a recession within the next eighteen months. Anybody, anything can change at any time. Sure, I reserve the right to be wrong as I always do because I don't have a crystal ball that works at least. Um, but it, data driven decisions tend to help me be very accurate long term. Um, Historically and frequently, minus when forecasting elections, I have been very 
Correct. And the thing that I would ask you as a listener, if you're listening to this and you haven't reached out to me or Matt, because Matt's also done the same thing on his real estate investments, is what are you doing twiddling your thumbs? Why have you not sent us a text message to 844-447-1555, sending the word deals to get into real estate to make sure if you are an accredited investor, all my wealthy clients have regular investments, insurance, and real estate. All of Matt's friends, all the ones that are doing well, all of them and a lot of them have insurance, investments, and real estate. And it's okay to be real estate heavy because a lot of people hit the retirement desk traditional asset heavy, mm-hmm. but you should have both. Yeah. Because they just don't do the same thing, but they, they do the same thing differently, I guess is the best way to say it. They and at different times. Correct. Right. They're generally inversely correlated. Yep. This is not normal for them to be correlated like this. And it's the same idea with stocks and bonds. We tend to buy those assets because one is a paper and one is a real asset, and they mm-hmm. tend to be inversely correlated. Yep. Um, that is how you become wealthy long term. It's not something that happens overnight for 99.999% of people. The people telling you stories about that and then making you pay to learn about it or just trying to make money off of you because you're an idiot. And you have to just be diligent. I mean, literally, you just have to be diligent and invest. And if you can do that, I had just retired a 47-year-old making 47, or excuse me, making a $15,000 a month passive income. How All many people did, could live off of $15,000 a month? I could tell you I could. I'm increasing it by about 3% per year too. I mean, he's, he's going to be living in 10 years on about $300,000 a year of annual income. And the dude's every day, today's Saturday. And when he goes to bed and he wakes up tomorrow's Saturday. What's the overall value of his portfolio to get to that $15,000 a month? Uh, he has about $3.7 million. Okay. And he has a life insurance policy. And guess what? He has some real estate. He's, he's How long has he been funding that life insurance policy? He hasn't been doing it for too, too long. His main stuff has been traditional investments. Okay. And the reason he got his policy was just to protect himself. Yep. He doesn't use it for like infinite banking or life insurance retirement planning. He does it mainly to protect his assets, but he has it also because they have living benefits that he doesn't want to pay for out of his assets. So yeah. it's kind of a hedge for him, more so of a real like insurance. And the reason I ask is because I know we have, you know, I don't think you guys realize how badass you, our millionaire mindcast community is and how many killers we have that listen to this show. Oh, yeah. Because I talked to many of you that, you know, you're not just getting out of the gate at 10,000 a month or or $10,000 net worth or $100,000 net worth. I mean, we got some fives, some tens, some fifties, you know, some hundreds oh, yeah. in our community that listen to this show. And, and big shout out to all you guys, because to me, lifelong learners are the people that I love surrounding myself with, that I love communicating with because they're always looking for a way to sharpen their ax, to build the moat and dig the moat deeper, right? To protect the things that matter to them. And, you know, when you think about $3 million or, you know, 3.2, whatever you said, you know, it's a lot of money, but it, but nowadays too, like it's, it's not a lot of money at the same time, but depending on where you're at in your journey, if you just said, Hey, if I can get myself to $3 million by X date, right? Figure out whatever that date meaningfully looks like and means to you. What Ryan just shared, right? To give you an idea that you could get to not only still have that value of your $3 million and one that continued to grow year over year, but now you're getting the cash flow out of that $3 million coming to you at $15,000 a month and how much 
freedom that would unlock for you, how much time that would unlock for you. If you just said, hey, I just want to get to $3 million. You know, some people are like, hey, 10 million is my number. 20 million is my number. 100 million is my number. But even if you just narrowed it down and said, three mil is my number, and I want to know how to get $15,000 a month out of that three mil. I don't know about you guys. I got two kids. I got a wife. And, you know, Brian knows I live very lean and very modestly because most of my stuff is always getting pumped back into investments or the business. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, we live off of 12 to 15 a month. Yep. And we live a great lifestyle. You know, we eat out when we want to. We you go and live a great lifestyle on 12 to 15 a month, especially when you're not doing, uh, you know, you don't have expenses. It's yeah, just we- your lifestyle is your expense. Correct. Uh, you can do a lot. You, a lot of people tend to move out of our state when it gets to that point because sure. in this state, you should have an earned income to live here. To, it's a good state to work in minus taxes because you get paid a lot. Mm-hmm. So you can use that and save a lot of that money because they're higher incomes because of cost of living. But you retire. You you name me a state that's not that's not blue. Yeah. Name me a red state that you couldn't retire in 15 grand a month. I mean, there's it's the majority of them you could. Absolutely. Florida... Arizona, Texas, even the expensive areas. You mm-hmm. could. Would yep. you tighten the belt maybe a smidge? Sure, but you could retire there. Yeah, and I saw this, you know, uh, as an interesting statistic the other day. You know, most people use the hundred kind of, um, you know, year old milestone of like a life full lived. But in terms of, and I forget what the, the the data research firm was, but basically the average lifespan for a male is... Oh, I see a lot of bad data on this. So I'll probably correct you because okay. it's probably incorrect. Okay, cool. Well, I'm interested then on your, on your take on this. So you said the average lifespan for a male is 75 years old. Way off. Higher, lower? Much higher. Much higher. Yeah, it's 91 actually. For the average male. Yeah. Wow. Okay, Man. so that, that makes this... Let me give you some actual statistics from 2022 actuarial tables. Okay. Because so these, like, these are all the things that you have to know in basically all the life insurance companies yeah, research, all, right? Trust me, life insurance companies pay... They, they, don't, billion, they don't play around with billion, data. With a B, billions of dollars per year to crunch this data. And they've been crunching the data for hundreds of years. Yep. So let me go ahead and give you the data. Married... Unmarried, healthy, unhealthy, male or female. Once you make it to the age of 65, which is about 98% of people in the United States, you then have a one in four chance as a male, so a 25% chance of living to the age of 91. What's the average age lived to by males as a group? About 87. Okay. For females, you have a two in four chance of living to the age of 94. The median age for females is 90. So that is, although I get the idea of saying, hey, we live to 76, this isn't the fucking bubonic plague times. People live much past 76, <laughs> I promise you. So this, that, then this makes the point that I'm going to get even yeah, better, yeah. right? Because this person basically just said, average lifespan for a male is 75 years old. And it, he said one in 16,000 people make it to 100. I'm not even going to go into that data because obviously what you study, yeah, and what you know. Yeah, that data yeah, from just let's Twitter? Just, let, let's, basically, it was a Twitter <laughs> post to it. That being said, his comment was like, if you were, you know, if you made it to 75 years old, you know, middle-aged, you're... You're, you're 30. You're 37. Yeah. 
So depending on where you guys are at in your journey, like you know how much ground you can cover in five years, let alone 10 years, let alone 20 years, let alone 30 years. Your ass is over the fucking hill, dude. I mean, you can you can cover a significant ma- amount of ground in a very short time with a, now here's the asterisk next to it, a very intelligent and well-calculated and thought-out plan. Yeah. Right? Like that's a, that's a big part of that statement is you can cover a significant amount of ground in yep. one year, let alone five, let alone 10, 20, or 30. Yep. So if you are 40 or 50 and under, if you still think you got a good 10 in the tank, let alone 20 or 30, and you have a good plan with your financial advisor and you make smart, sound investment decisions, you can be significantly wealthy, yeah. significantly free, mm-hmm. and you can set yourself up and your future generations of family to inherit wealth and to yeah. have an impact with what you do over the next five to 10 years. But so many people don't take the proper time to one, figure out what that plan is, two, get the right people engaged in that plan, and then just consistently execute on it for five or 10 years. Yeah, like if you were like a 30-year-old and you were making a million dollars a year and I could take 180 to 200,000 of that, so 18 to 20% of your income, which I don't know how much you invest for your income. I invest about 40% of mine. Um, motherfucking taxes take the rest. Mm-hmm. And then maybe wine. <laughs> um, but I, I just did a plan for a guy the other day and I mean, it's like... I mean, investing $10,000 a month, no, excuse me, $15,000 a month and like at age 60, which is what he wanted and he's in his 30s, he's going to get like $1.5 million a year. And he's like, and it's all non-qualified money. So I was like, if you ever just want to pull the trigger before, you just look at your account balance and we'll figure out what you do. Yeah. If you want to retire on 900 grand, you can do that when you're about 54. You want to do about 850, you can do it when you're about 51. So just all it is, and the funniest thing is he said it, and I loved it. He's like, it's so crazy because in the beginning, it doesn't look so sexy. No. But like three years in, it starts really catching some wheels. I was like, yeah. I was like, the difference between the stock market and like real estate is that real estate, you leverage money so you shorten the time window of when you can be profitable because you leverage and you pay the money back. Right. Um, which is how it's supposed to work. And that's the beauty of real estate. The downside of the stock market is you don't you can leverage and you shouldn't, but you normally put direct cash in there. Right. And so it takes time. You don't see as comp- much of that up front. Because compounded interest. It's not a you use investments in the stock market traditionally to leverage compounded interest, mm-hmm. and you use investments in real estate to normally com- uh, leverage tax benefits and cash flow. Yep. When you have all three compounded interest, cash flow, and tax benefits, it's like the trifecta. Yep. Um, so that's the difference. Now, in the past couple of years, real estate has proved itself sure. as an annualized return asset, but that's but, obviously going to be in the short well, term. Well, and the point that you're making, right, is like, you know, this idea of delayed gratification, like anything mm-hmm. that's significantly exciting and sexy is usually look in hindsight. Look at Jeff Bezos. usually in hindsight, right? Yeah, of like, look at all these guys that worked their ass off for years and now they're balling. Oh my God, but he's so like, amazing. He's got all this money. Well, guess what? It wasn't always years. that way. Yeah. A lot of people think that these people just like, oh, they started, they were famous and since... There is, go look at the video of Elon Musk jumping out of his McLaren looking like a straight rapist 
I mean, he had the nastiest looking hair in a brown suit, decent looking wife. But I mean, like that dude has been around and he was weird, like really weird. And look at where he's progressed to be and who he is. Yeah. Jeff Bezos, I mean, was driving around in a freaking Honda like, ha, 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 this is just a good car. Right? Mm-hmm. And now he's like married to some freaking supermodel. And he looks already. like Batman. Like, yeah. He's jacked out of his mind. Yeah. And, you know. I'm, I, he's probably going to have it hair takes, in a couple months. He will. He's going to start like, growing a big mane. <laughs> and they're all flying to space. and doing stuff. The point is, none of that stuff, they're like, man, you know what? I've been doing this for two years yeah. and it hasn't happened yet, so I'm going to quit. Small, smart choices made over an extended period of time is what ultimately unlocks amazing Agreed. things. Yep. Whether it's your health, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your relationships with friends, family, kids, whether it's your business, right? Like making small consistent steps in the right direction with a calculated plan every day and executing in that, whether it's a high or a low of that season, doing that over and over and over again and making small reflections, small tweaks, small optimizations along the way. But again, just moving in the direction that you initially set course on, you're gonna unlock much larger and greater things then one, if you don't take action or two, you're constantly pivoting in doing things that are contradicting each other. Yep. So with that being said, if you guys want to talk to us about any of your wealth building visions, plans, stocks, real estate, x-ray, deals to 844-447-1555. With that being said, much love to you guys. We yeah. appreciate connecting with each and every one of you. If you enjoy the show, again, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. If you're a listener and you haven't taken the time, just one minute to leave us a five-star review in whatever podcasting platform you enjoy listening to this content on. Mainly, iTunes is the biggest platform for us to get organic growth and traction. It would mean the world to us. With that being said, we'll see you guys in next week's episode. Cheers. Cheers. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Wealth Building Wednesday. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. If you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you either leave a review on whatever podcasting platform you enjoy listening to this content on or share this with somebody that you know can gain some insight, some value from it. One of the things that you guys know about Ryan and I is, you know, we definitely won't say we have all the answers and we definitely won't say we know it all. We just want to bring conversation to the areas, the topics that we believe are really important to bring attention and awareness to to help you sharpen your axe, put more tools on your tool belt, weaponize you to make the best decisions that align not only with your financial goals, right, but your lifestyle goals. So if you guys want to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio, all you have to do is text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. Most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective or really in most cases overcharged and whether or not their current investment plan is actually aligned with what they're trying to accomplish and by when. And this is something Ryan does for all of our listeners for free. So be sure to take them up on that x-ray, one word, 844-447-1555. Also, if you are someone who is serious about building your wealth and you're already kind of established, but you want to surround yourself with other like-minded, high net worth individuals, be sure to text WEALTHCAMP, one word, to 844-447-1555 to learn more about our intimate five-star experiences with other like-minded business owners and investors to cross-pollinate, to hear what they're doing, and to have a whole, a whole hell of a lot of fun while we're doing it. And last, if you want to know more about consulting or getting mentorship directly from me or from Ryan, you can learn more by texting the word MENTOR to 844-447-1555. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next 
keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to a million and beyond. Cheers, my friends. <laughs>